This show has explicit language and mature themes. John, will you give us that lick? Explanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I look some stuff up on Wikipedia, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Gerondale. Boy, howdy, David. Hey, yeah. Hi. How you doing? Good. What are we going to learn about? <laughs> Thanks. Marie Curie. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, let's just say that during this episode, if I quote anything and don't specify, it's from Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. Um, so Marie Curie was born on November 7th, 1867, and she was born in Russian-occupied city Warsaw in what had used to be Poland. And is currently Poland. And is, again, now currently Poland. Um, her birth name was Maria Sklodowska, but everyone called her Manya. And she was the fifth child born to Bronislawa and Władysław Sklodowa. Uh, Polish names are super yeah. hard, like notoriously hard. Um, they were both well-known teachers, and her dad taught math and physics and was the director of two schools for boys, and her mom was headmistress at a school for girls, but retired soon after Marie was born. Okay. Yeah. Um, her mom, Bronislawa, had tuberculosis, and out of fear, refrained from ever touching Marie or her siblings. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah. I mean, I understand, but... Never giving them any physical attention. Wow. Or, yeah, affection, sorry. That's... Yeah, she, like, used separate dishes. That's incredible sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, honestly, you can kind of understand, like... Yeah, she did it out of love for her children, yeah. ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Russians who occupied her part of Poland wanted to systematically erase Polish culture... And it was illegal to speak Polish or to have Polish literature. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But her parents... This was 1862, you said, when she was uh, born? 67, when 67, she was born. sorry. So, like, yeah, the okay. 1870s, pretty much. And late 60s. So, uh, her parents, they were uh, Polish patriots and taught their kids to read and speak Polish. Okay. Mm. And when the... Subversive. Ru- yeah, and eventually the Russians, they took laboratory instruction from Polish schools, and her father took a bunch of the instruments from his lab back to their house, and then he taught all the kids how to use them. That's so cool. Right? So the Russians and, were, like, systematically trying to disenfranchise them and yeah, completely, like, yeah, even undermining even their education so that they couldn't be, like, yeah. the engineers and the scientists and, of and the Russian Empire. And you were forbidden from speaking Polish on the street. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know how that would ever work. Like, you got a culture that you're really mm-hmm. trying to oppress. The best way to do it is to, like, just tell them they don't have a culture anymore. Right. Like, that's how to get some, that's how to get some rotten eggs. Yeah. Also, the, I mean, it's such a stupid idea. You would have to occupy that territory continuously for like hundreds of years, yeah, I feel like absolutely. for that to even have a chance. Well, and then think about it: like people love their heritage so much that even after so hundreds much. of years, 
somebody would just be like, yeah, that was a thing. And I want to go back to and, and I want to go back to that. It's been right? illegal for this long. Like, exactly. And like, I actually to even uh, even after hundreds the, of years, I'm sure to use the Bible as an example. The Jews got taken by the Babylonians and were out of their entire home country for a long time before like. Well, preserving yeah. all their traditions and then heading back. Yeah. Basically, when one ruler died, the next was like, no, nah, get the hell out of here. Exactly. So eventually her dad was fired because of his pro-Polish ideals, and he was forced to take a lower-paying position in order to make some more money, and they turned their house into a boarding house for boys, where they just had, like, a bunch of boys living okay. with them. Like, Marie and her siblings, like, didn't have, like, first pick over where they slept, so she would just, like, sleep in the dining room sometimes. Whoa, okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have to make ends meet, huh? Yeah. And when she was seven, her older, her oldest sister died of typhus, which she caught from one of the boarders. Ah, uh, see, this, and this is why this is the yeah. best time to have ever lived in the world. Exactly. Exactly. Any time before vaccinations and like modern medicine, <laughs> no thank you. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff happened, but like also enormous numbers of people died very painfully from diseases that were totally non-preventable. Yep. Three years after her sister died, when Marie was 10, her mother died of tuberculosis, which oh. can just be treated with antibiotics now. Pretty sure. Or it could have been typhus. One of the two. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, she died from some tea. No, 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 she no, no. Died from a no, tea no, no. virus. Her mom died from tuberculosis. Her sister died from typhus. Okay, and yeah, one of the two is treatable, or both is treatable with antibiotics now. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure tuberculosis can be treated with antibiotics these days. Okay, yeah. Um, I think it can. So the same year her mom died, Marie was enrolled in a girls' school. And she was the youngest and smallest student there. Mm. She's 10 years old. But she excelled academically and had amazing work ethic and memory. She's a little genius. She's a little genius. She'd Somebody been, needs to make a cartoon about her little Marie. Like early life. Yeah. Little Marie Curie. So frequently, Russians would come into the school and classroom to make sure that what was going on was, and what was being ca- taught was Russia approved. Holy yeah. shit. And they weren't actually following the Russian curriculum. They'd run, so they'd run inspection drills so they could quickly hide books and feign learning the Russian curriculum. Oh, man. How cool would you feel, though? Right? Like, you'd be, you'd be scared, but, like, as a student, you'd be like, you can, you can engage yeah. in the content while also being a rebel. It's actually the yeah. perfect thing. Exactly. Like, by educating yourself, you're sticking it to the man. Yeah. Every day on the way to school, her and some of her classmates would walk by a statue the idolized Polish people who had cooperated with Ru- with the Russians during the invasion. And every day as they walked by, they would all make sure to spit on the statue. That's awesome. That's exactly <laughs> what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. Um, she graduated from that school at age 16 with the highest marks of any student in every subject. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, it took me a second because I was just thinking about what a stinky statue that must have become after a <laughs> right? long time. But yeah, so yeah. she was basically, she was the best in her class. Yeah, in every subject. Wow. Um, and after graduating, she fell into a depression and spent a year with her father's relatives and spent the next year with her pops in Warsaw and did some tutoring, but she was really itching to get back to school. But if you can believe it, the Russians had banned women from going to the university of Warsaw or attaining higher education. Jeez. Yeah. So her and her sister, 
they, her and her, her and uh, they were just like hell bent on enforcing every moral, yeah, uh, outcome in their society on the the Polish people. Yep, but she, yeah, she really wanted to go back to school, and her and her sister ended up attending an illegal underground university called either the Flying or Floating University. Translations differ. Okay, and they That's would meet cool. in various locations, and like some sources I heard said they had like o- up to a thousand members. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that was like That's a, b- a big of... fucking deal. You can practically get executed for that type of shit. Yeah. And then to be able to organize it like yeah. back then with all the, yeah, that's, that would be a logistical nightmare. Yeah. That's so pretty cool. After going to the floating university for a while, Marie and her older sister, Branya made plans to get both of them through college in Paris where they would accept women. And okay. So, so what this, the plan was, is Bronnie would go to medical school while Marie would work to support her sister study intuition. And two years later, after Bronnie graduated, she would return the favor and help support Marie through school. Okay. Um, so Marie got a job as a governess, which is basically like a glorified tutor and servant for a rich family. Okay. Yeah. The first family she worked with kind of sucked and thought Marie was stuck up. <laughs> and she ended up getting another job as governess for a different family, the Zorowskis. And the Zorowskis treated her much better than the previous family and held her in high esteem. And they even called her that brilliant Manya. Oh, nice. Yeah. And after a year of working there for the Zorowskis, their oldest son, Casimiras, who is Marie's age, came home for the summer. And the two fell head and heels, head over heels in love with each <laughs> other. <laughs> and the heads were in the heels, too. Um, and Casimiras told the Pops that he intended to ask Marie for his hand in marriage. But Papa Zorowski was like, fuck that. You can't be marrying a governess. You'll marry an upper class bitch for sure. There's, uh, and then he's like, let's not mention that again or I won't be paying for your school or nothing. And so, Casimir. That was a Wikipedia quote. <laughs> yep, yeah. Wikipedia quote. I I edited it in there, and then they took it down. Um. So Casimir is capitulated, and he went back to school, and the breakup was really hard for both of them. Uh-huh. And quote: He soon earned a doctorate and pursued an academic career as a mathematician, becoming a professor and rector of Krakow University, still as an old man and a mathematics professor at the Warsaw Polytechnic, he would sit contemplatively, contemplatively, no, I say contemplatively, no, contemplatively, (laughs) contemplatively before the statue of Maria Sklodowska, which had been erected in 1935 before the Radium Institute that she founded in 1932. Okay, we'll have to do an episode about her. I've never heard of her. Oh, that's that was her birth name, Maria Sklodowska. Marie Curie was born Maria Sklodowska. Wait, in you Poland. need to go back because I I missed something. Um, we're just she will eventually change her name, but throughout no, 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 this no, 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 no. I understand that. Okay, so let me just start with the quote then. Yeah. Okay. Quote: He soon earned a doctorate and pursued an academic career as a mathematician. This is Casimir's. Yeah. 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 Becoming a professor of Krakow University, still as an old man and mathematics professor at Warsaw Polytechnic, he would sit contemplatively 
<laughs> Contemplatively. <laughs> I can't Closer. say. Contemplatively. Contemplatively. There you go. He would sit contemplatively <laughs> before the statue of Maria Skladowska, which had been erected in 1935 before the Radium Institute that she had founded in 1932. Okay, so she founded the Radium Institute in yeah. 1932. Yeah. When did they meet? Um, they met when she was 19 and she was governess. Okay, but no year on that. What year did she leave Poland? Oh, she left in 1891, and I think that was two years. In, in, so it was probably two years before that, so it was probably okay. 1889. Okay, so, okay. Or 1890. Anyway, uh, let's jump ahead a little bit. In late 1891, she left Poland for France, finally to go to an above-ground university. Wait. Because <laughs> she was going to an underground university. Oh, okay. That's when her, she changed her name to Marie, the French version of Maria. Okay. She got into the University of Paris and started studying math, chemistry, and physics. She lived with her sister and brother-in-law for a sec, but ended up getting a shitty attic apartment. Oh. Like, real shitty. Like, no significant heat and stuff. Oh. Like, it was so cold up there, that, and she was Rats. so poor that she sometimes put all of her clothes on to stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but she was so into her studies that sometimes she would forget to eat and would occasionally pass out. Holy crap. Yeah. I've never been that into homework. I know. And uh, there's like a story about when she was a kid, um, she would like study so hard, especially with like the boarding boarding house going on, that she would like sit there, look at her homework and n not respond to anything and not notice anyone doing anything. And one time they like stacked every chair in the house around her <laughs> and she didn't notice until she stood up and all the chairs fell down. Oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, she would study during the day and tutor during the night to earn her keep. And Marie got her first degree in 1893 in physics and got her second degree in 1894. Wow. It's like fucking How nuts. You... How? Yeah. Um, after getting the second degree, she was commissioned by the Society for Encouragement of Natural Industries to study various magnetic properties of steels. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But she had a problem. She didn't have lab she didn't have a lab or space to run the experiments. And a mutual friend told her that she should check with Pierre Curie. So they just gave her a job, but like no means yeah. to actually do anything. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Right? Can you imagine that happening today? <laughs> Seriously. Being like, hey, we need you to study nuclear fusion. Can you <laughs> go ahead and like get on that? We'll forward you like five hundred dollars to start with yeah. and then like, you know, two hundred dollars a week after that. <laughs> yeah. Um so you need get so like when do you think you can be done? Yeah, right. Like just figure it out, all right? <laughs> you figure it out. Um so a mutual friend told her she should check with Pierre Curé who is an already famous instructor at the School of Physics and Chemistry. He'd worked on magnetism and studying electric effects of squishing and bending crystals or something like that. Like, <laughs> something did, like that. Yeah, him and his brother uh, created... Is a crystal squisher? Yeah. No, he, they created a way to measure minute amounts of electricity. Oh. Um, but they fell in love. And Pierre proposed to Marie. And at first, Marie rejected the proposal because she had always planned on returning to her beloved Poland. Right. And she wanted to marry a Polish boy. 
Well, no, she just like wanted to become something and go help Poland. Okay. Um, but Pierre was like, shit, how about if I go with you to Poland, even if I have to be reduced to teaching French? Oh, damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, but in the summer break of 1894, Marie returned to Poland without Pierre to visit her family and attempted to get a position there in her field. But the Krakow University rejected her because she's a woman. And Pierre, like the whole time, he's sending buttloads of love letters. (laughs) And he eventually convinced her to move back to Paris to get get a PhD. Okay. In Um, physics. Okay. Or chemistry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We might get we might get to it. Uh, Pierre got his own PhD in 1895 and got promoted to professor at the School of Physics and Chemistry. And then they got married on July 26th, 1895. 1895. 1895 right. in July. Neither of them wanted a religious service because they're both atheists. Really? Yeah. Um, like That's Marie's it. mom was a Catholic. And Marie's dad was an agnostic. And she ca- became agnostic when her mom and sister died, after her mom and sister died. Oh, I see. Um, but she was also wearing a dark blue outfit instead of a bridal gown. And she would use that same dark blue outfit for many years as her laboratory outfit. Nice. She's very pragmatic. Yeah, she's extremely pragmatic. Um, let's get some side notes in real quick. Yeah. Okay. So the same year they got married, Wilhelm Rontgen. 1895. 1895. Wilhelm Rontgen discovered. What? Say that last name again. Rontgen. Rontgen, okay. Uh, discovered x-rays and published a paper titled On a New Kind of Ray, a Preliminary Communication. And so, yeah, he discovered x-rays. His wife was the first... Uh, his his wife's hand was the first human image of an x-ray. Gotcha, yep. And she said something like, I've witnessed, I've witnessed my own death. <laughs> oh, man. But they didn't know that, like, those x-rays they were using were, like really bad for her. So in 1896, Henry Becquerel, another another side note, discovered that uranium salts emitted rays that resemble X-rays in their penetrating power. He demonstrated that this radiation, unlike phosphorescence, did not depend on an external source of energy, but seemed to arise spontaneously from uranium itself. That's yeah. a Wikipedia quote. As I recall, he had some uranium salts sitting in his desk. Next and- to... Uh, on on some papers and they were like if i recall it um discolored the mm, papers yeah they were like uh i can't remember the word for it but it's like photosensitive paper yeah exactly yep yeah i remembered the word for it uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so job. yeah henry becquerel discovered uranium uh like emitted rays and Wilhelm Rontgen discovered x-rays. Gotcha. The previous year. So it was kind of like they were discovering radiation in all of its forms, basically. Radiation as we commonly call it. But people weren't, yeah, people weren't like very interested in Henry Becquerel's discovery and like didn't see much applicability. And instead, most people focused on x-rays. Okay. Because like it was more tangible, you could see the cool images of like bones. Yeah, it makes you sense. Could, like, it's you more could use obvious. It medically. Yeah, it's more obvious yeah. how you would apply it. Um. All right. So let's I mean, they ended up in shoe stores. 
Oh, did they? Oh my goodness, yeah. When my grandma was growing up, you could. She used to tell me about it too. You could go, and you would step up on this machine, just like a big wooden stand, yeah. really, with a view scope, and you would look through the the view scope, and you would see your feet wow. through an X ray, so you would see the bones. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and a God. lot of um, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, except that eventually, basically, a bunch of <laughs> The people, got people who worked cancer. there um, were getting cancer. And probably in both their eyes and feet? I think, like, their eyes and their, uh, well, their face and their hands, too. Oh, yeah. Because they were, like, working on people's shoes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get back to Marie. Uh, Marie, like, was looking for a st- study for the PhD that she was going to do. Right. And she thought she would look into Becquerel's uranium rays as a possible topic for a thesis. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And using a tool that Pierre and his brother had created 15 years earlier, she found that uranium electrified the air around the sample. Oh, that's so neat that she was able to use their previous invention to discover something new about what is I think it's called an electroscope. An electroscope. Okay. Um, That's very cool. Yeah. More so, she found that the only thing that affected how much electricity that was produced by the uranium was just how much uranium was in the sample. Nice. And You can can start to deduce quite a few things just based on that. Yeah. Quote, she hypothesized that the radiation was not the outcome of some interaction of molecules, but must come from the atom itself. This hypothesis was an important step in disproving... The assumption that if atoms were in the atoms were indivisible. Oh, nice. Because, because before that they thought that was the fundamental particle, was yeah. the atom, that the atomic nuclei was this thing that um it wasn't made of smaller particles. Yeah. It was just its own that was it was what the it is. final building block. That's how the that's how the element that's how the chart works out. Um the Elementary chart. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking the about. Chart of elements. Let's, uh, let's skip that whole the thing. The periodic right? table of elements? That's how the periodic table of elements works, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see where we are. In 1897, Marie and Pierre had their first daughter, Irene. Oh. Yeah. Her and Pierre oh, started working too. on the in a poorly ventilated shed that wasn't even waterproof, and they had no idea of the maleffects of radiation. Oh, jeez. Yep. And it so was so they're wet and they radiated. <laughs> yeah, it was in this shed where she found that a urana- It was in this shed where she found that a uranium mineral, pitchblende, was four times more radioactive than uranium itself. And if she was right that the amount of uranium present was the only thing that affected its activity, there must be another substance in pitch blend that was far more active than uranium. Wow. Okay. Yeah. She actually went about attempting to I don't find the radioactivity of every substance. Really? Yeah. She attempted to do that. Um, in 98... Pierre abandoned his own research to work on Marie's shit because he thought it was so cool. That that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Just like being like, no, jumping ship. Yeah. What you got going on over here? This is like this is this is next cool. level science. This is, this is, this is yeah, this is the frontier. Yep. And in July 19, 9, 1898, 
The Curies published a joint paper announcing the existence of an element, which they named polonium, in honor of her native Poland. Oh, I had no idea that's yeah. where it got its name. I always kind of liked the name of polonium. Yeah, um, me too, actually. It just has, rolls off the tongue really nicely. But I had no idea it was named for Poland. Yeah, so and I'm ethnically are some you? fraction Polish. Hmm. Um, and so, I, yeah, my mom's maiden name is Polish. Okay, that's cool. Um, so that was in July. In December, they announced they announced that that was in July. In December, they announced the existence of a second element, which they named radium, from the Latin word for ray. And in the course of their research, they also coined the word radioactivity. Okay, really, they coined that word. Yep, I didn't know that. Jeez, oh, Pete. Yeah. In order to bolster and prove their discoveries, without a doubt. They procured a literal ton of pitch blend and arduously separated radium from the pitch blend. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And after a long fucking time of stirring a giant, big-ass vat, almost as big as her, with a metal rod, along with some other processes I don't understand, in 1902, they were able to get one-tenth of a gram of radium chloride from the one-ton sample. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. It's not an efficient process. No. Um... Quote, between 1898 and 1902, the Curies published, jointly or separately, a total of 32 scientific papers, including one that announced that when exposed to radium, diseased tumor cells were destroyed faster than healthy cells. Really? Yeah. So they were actually already looking at medical applications for this. Mm -hmm. I had read somewhere that um, for quite a while people assumed that radioactivity, something that energetic, must... Um, in fact, probably have positive benefits on the human body. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think Bill Bryson wrote that in one of his books. Really? Yeah. Um, There's a short history of nearly everything. Go I, read it. I got, I got book. another quote here. In December 1903, the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences o- awarded Pierre Curie, Marie Curie, and Henry Becquerel the Nobel Prize in Physics, and it was the Nobel Prize. The Nobel Prize. <laughs> I know I got that one wrong. Let's move on. In recognition of the extraordinary services that they have rendered by their joint researches on the radiation phenomena discovered by (laughs) Professor Henry Becquerel. Um, And at first, the Nobel Committee wasn't even going to nominate her for the award. Instead, nominating her husband and Becquerel alone. Yep, that makes sense. In that day. But Pierre found out, like somebody who knew, told him, and he wrote to the committee insisting that the work was mostly Marie's. And if there was going to be a nomination, Marie needed to be recognized as well. Oh, my gosh. Meaning that if the if the committee members were convinced by that, which is a good thing that they were convinced. Yeah. But it means that they were honestly in doubt that the work was actually hers. Oh, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Just because of the prejudice everyone, against women. Everyone like, for a long time would. Holy crap. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, so they eventually added her to the nomination, and she was the first woman to earn a Nobel Prize. Yep. Yep. And in 1904, Marie gave birth to her second daughter, Eve. So she has Irene and Eve. Mm -hmm. She was great at naming. Yeah, seriously. On April 19th, 1906, Pierre was walking across the street in Paris and got hit by a horse, like a horse-drawn carriage. And it ran him over and crushed his skull with the back wheels. Uh, yep. Ugh. And, it, like, holy shit. 
Yeah. It was really get, rainy, I guess. But also, I guess people were getting run over. Like pedestrians have been time. getting run over way before automobiles. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Like when people found out that it was Pierre Curie, the famous scientist, like other people had to step in so that the carriage driver wasn't getting like attacked. Oh, geez. I mean, I don't know the exact situation, but I'm he probably didn't do anything too outrageous. No, it was probably, probably not. just an accident. Yeah, and Marie didn't find out until later that night, and she was obviously devastated, but she remembered something that Pierre had said. He said, whatever happens, even if one should become like a body without a soul, still one must work. Wow. Yeah. Like they were like they were they were fucking they intense. were of two minds too. Yeah. They were just they like were, that was all science for them. That's like yep. the only sh- thing they gave a single fuck about and each other, I guess. Yeah, I, I remember reading that they were deeply in love. Yeah, again from Bill Bryson's yeah short history of nearly everything. Um, so everything I know about Marie Curie comes from that from book. Bill Bryson's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> short history. <laughs> um, a month after Pierre died the University of Paris offered her her husband's position. And because of, like, remembering what he had said, she accepted. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And that made her the first woman professor at the University of Paris. Nice. Yeah. Dang. She was so many firsts. Fucking, yeah, tons of firsts. And some, some in some cases, still only Onlys? Yeah. Well, uh, like, tons of people crowded the lecture hall to see her, see her give her first lecture. Probably some intrigued to see a woman professor, probably others to see see if she could keep her shit together after her recent tragedy. Oh. Um, and in a soft voice, she started her lecture exactly where Pierre had left off. Really? Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Damn. That's hardcore, That's too. fucking hardcore. Jeez. She is a survivor. You got to be a steely. But, I mean, she had a mom who and never touched her. Yeah. Like you'd you'd be made of steel. Yeah. At that point. Well, and then died when you were ten. Yeah. Your sister died when you were seven. Your whole culture I mean was she att- never touched her. She probably didn't know so much. <laughs> Your whole culture had been attempted to be sister, wiped yeah. out. Yeah, literally like, grew up in a place where it was illegal to be what you were. Yeah. So quote in nineteen ten, Curie succeeded in isolating radium. She also defined an international standard for radioactive emissions. That was eventually named for her and Pierre, the Curie. And in 1911, she really got I didn't know that. There's a unit of measurement called the Curie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds so cute. It's an international standard for radioactive emissions. I had no idea. Yeah, oh, it, is, it does look sound at the cute. Little Curie. Curie is just a cute name. Ah, honestly, it's killing me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, it was so cute though. <laughs> cute uh, little. Alpha mission. In 1911, she got her second Nobel Prize, this time in chemistry. Quote, in recognition of her services to the advancement of chemistry by the discovery of elements radium and polonium, by the isolation of radium and the study of the nature and compounds of this remarkable element. Okay. That was the right on. That's like the caption. Yeah. Um, and this made her the first person to ever win two Nobel Prizes. Really? She was the first woman and the first person to win two. The first person. Yeah. Of any, yeah. Any gender. That's what I said. The first person. Yep. Uh, that is what you said. (laughs) Uh, to this day, only four people have done it. Linus Pauling, 
won one in chemistry and he won a Nobel Peace Prize. J- don't ask me about these people. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> Thanks, because I don't you got know. it. <laughs> <laughs> John Bardeen got one in physics and got another one in physics. These names sound familiar, but I couldn't tell you Same. a dang thing about them. Same. Uh, Frederick Sanger got one in chemistry and got another one in chemistry. <laughs> she's still the, she's still the only so that makes her still the only person to have won in two different sciences oh wow okay yeah um in 1914 her radioactivity lab at the university of paris which was then called the radium institute was completed and now it's called the curie institute all right nice so it's still there yeah it's still there the university was like actually hesitant to build it at first um and only relented when she was offered a job and a lab at the Pasteur Institute. Oh, and named after Louis Pasteur? Mm-hmm. And the Pasteur Institute ended up helping to pay for the Curie Institute as well with the University of Paris. So they they were like, somebody over there was really lobbying for her. Yeah. Well, yeah. and But... That's because she deserved all of it. And oh yeah, of course. Of and anything. some people recognized that. Yeah. And that if you if you gave her resources, all that was going to happen is progress. Yeah. Um, in World War One, Marie, recognizing that wounded soldiers needed to have quick access to operations, spearheaded an operation to develop mobile radiography units with X-rays and generators. Oh. And they became. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Right. So they could just diagnose problems quicker? Yeah, and get shrapnel out and... That's so freaking cool! Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I had no idea that sort of stuff went on. Yeah, they became popularly known as Petites Curies, or Little Curies. Aww. Yeah. Everything about her name is just so cute. Yeah, literally. Um, Quote... (laughs) Quote... Assisted at first by a military doctor and by her 17-year-old daughter, Irene, Curie directed the installation of 20 mobile radiological vehicles and two and another 200 radiological units at field hospitals in the first year of the war. Wow. Yeah. She was busy. It's not fucking... She's a boss. She Holy is shit. a boss. She had... Oh, my God. Yeah. Um. Here's another quote. Like I had... I had I mean, I've said this a million times this episode, but I had no idea she had that kind of impact on the war. Exactly, It's nuts. Why do you never... Well, why am I even asking that question? Yeah. Why do you never hear about it? Yeah. We know the answer know to that, that question. Yeah. <laughs> Historical misogyny is part of it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the major component. Yeah. Historical misogyny. Yeah. Quote, in 1915, Curie produced hollow needles containing... Another quote, radium emanation, a colorless radioactive gas given off by radium, later defined as radon, to be used for sterilizing infected tissue. She provided the radium from her own one gram supply. Oh. Yeah, it's estimated that over a million wounded soldiers were treated with her x-ray units. Whoa. Right? Um, Man, I wonder, yeah. yeah. How many people lived because of her that otherwise wouldn't have? Well, you can't stop counting. You can't stop counting today. Like, oh yeah, you're st- we're still doing like extra. We're still doing imaging. That's true. We're still yeah. we're still using radiation treatments. 
you will never you'll, i guess specifically never... i meant the war but yeah you're right yeah. actually her impact on our modern life is pretty much incalculable and consistent yeah um but after the war she got buttloads of accolades she went on a tour of America, and at the White House, President Warren G. Harding presented her with one gram of radium from the United States. Oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> what a great present. Yeah. Um, before the meeting, the <laughs> French recognized and were embarrassed by the fact that they haven't given her any French distinctions and offered her a Legion of Honor award, but she refused it. Why? Probably because she was like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I've been prob- deserving of this for a long time. <laughs> Just because I'm going to go talk to the president, you want to have some popular... Nice. That's cool. Basically, she realized the obviously political motivation just gave him a huge fuck you. That's what I think. That's cool. Um, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Quote, Marie Curie, the steely rebel. Yeah. Actually, she attempted... She was like born to be... A- she she attempted to sell her gold medal, her, her gold and Nobel prizes in order to help the war effort. Oh. And only really pulled out her money from Swiss francs or whatever in order to buy war bonds. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. I... And it, I mean, it makes sense if you think about like Poland was invaded by Germany and, and Russia and Hungary. Yeah. And, and the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So she was probably just like really all about the French war effort because probably, that's the only yeah. way Poland would ever be liberated. Mm, uh, yeah. Is through allied intervention. She also in 1922 became a member of the League of, League of Nations newly created International Committee for Intellectual Cooperation. What? I had no idea she was involved with the League of Nations. God yeah. damn it. Einstein that was so also cool. a member Jeez. of that. I didn't know that either. Yep. I didn't even know that they had this science division. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Never even heard of it. Um, God damn it. She was like a fucking superhero. She was. She was a goddamn superhero. But she eventually died, and that was on the 4th of July, 1934. From aplastic anemia, or lack of red blood cells, most likely caused by her long-term exposure to radiation. Yep. Yeah, here's a, here's a quote about that. The damaging effects of ionizing radiation were not known at the time of her work, which had been carried out without the safety measures later developed. She had carried test tubes containing radioactive isotopes in her pocket, and she stored them in her desk drawer, remarking on the faintest light the substances gave off in the dark. She was also exposed to x-rays from unshielded equipment while serving as radiologist in field hospitals during the war. Although her many decades of exposure to radiation caused chronic illnesses, including near blindness due to cataracts. She had cataracts removed four times. Wowzers. And her fingers were all getting all fucked up. That's gross. And cataracts being removed that many times. Yeah. Just thinking about that. Scraping the inside of your cornea that many freaking times. Fucking A. Um... And yeah, ultimately caused her death, but she never really acknowledged the health risks of radiation exposure. Yeah, yeah. that came later. And uh, as actually, a fi- I think they were starting to piece it together were, while she were, was still alive. Were, yeah. yeah. And as a final thing, unless you got anything else, you got anything else about Marie Curie? Yeah, actually, I know that. Uh, so you mentioned like her desk drawer and her. her oh she yeah, carried yeah, her yeah, pockets. yeah. That stuff is is still there still there and it's all you can't see it you can't come into physical contact yeah you with have it to be like without treated. a hazmat suit yeah 
you have to actually like get into uh, radiation gear because it's still to get not near, safe. Because it's still, yeah, it's all irradiated. Yeah. Now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Still yeah. Glowing. So she was just getting dosed with huge amounts of radiation yeah. all the time. It's actually a marvel. She, she kind of like from something early. Honestly, and as we were talking about, like how many countless people has she and will she continue to probably save? Yep. That's like practically a fucking scientific sacrifice. I mean, not yeah, you're right. She almost martyred is. herself in a fashion. Yeah. Just in like a steely and rebellious way. Yeah. Not in like a in a badass way. Yeah. Not in a like look at me. <laughs> yeah. God dang. Why have you for a second murder? So in nineteen thirty eight, Marie's daughter Irene, along with Irene's husband, Frederick Jolet Curie, they they won a Nobel Prize in chemistry for their discovery of artificial radiation. Dang, the apple does not fall far from the no. tree. Artificial radiation, so that would be like plutonium? What, what does that I mean? I think so. That's what happens when you expose a previously stable element to radiation, and then it becomes unstable oh. and radioactive. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so like irradiating something causes it to become radioactive. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I had no idea that was called artificial radiation. Yeah, I think I heard somebody Man, say I'm learning a bunch in this one. I think I heard somebody say that there's like a total of five Nobel Prizes in the Curie family. Holy So you got shit two smacks. from her, one from Pierre, one from Irene, and then if I'm right, there's a missing one. You got anything else? Yeah, honestly, I think like in in public schools in America there needs to be a heroes of science class. Oh, I can I that can would dig be a that. fucking cool class. I can dig that. And also, I feel like it would make science a more relatable and less dense and understandable subject because really it would be history more than anything. Yeah. But you would give people an interest because you give them the human stories behind this. Yeah. And I agree wholeheartedly. But yeah, that's it for this episode. The Explanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. If you want to support this show, go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations or leave a review on iTunes. Big thanks to our current patrons, Alexis, Amanda, Ben, Kevin, Derek, Hannah, Kellen, Linda, Nick, Simone, Susan, and Tori. Also, thanks for Gaviano360 and PodAddictT for their reviews on iTunes. Those are great reviews that I appreciate. Thanks, homies. Likely, we got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or you just want to bullshit, hit me up at explanationspodcast at gmail.com. Your dancing is not good. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. My chair's not good. It hurts my butt. My tailbone is sore right now. I can't dance good with a bruised tailbone. That's true. Your chair is bad. Um, I take the worst chair as a sacrifice because I do the least amount of work for this show. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. You're the only thing that's making this show grow, so please tell someone to subscribe. We're starting to get more and more listeners, and you've played an integral role in that. Oh, and as for you, you have nicely shaped and expressive eyebrows. Bye now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>